Hello, and welcome to Design is Everywhere, the weekly podcast about design impact from Design Museum Everywhere. It's Thursday, October 15th, 2020. I'm your host, Sam Aquilano. I'm the founder and executive director of the museum. Liz is out for the next few weeks, so I'm flying solo. Thank you all for joining me today. We've officially been a podcast for half a year, which is just wild. On today's edition of Design is Everywhere, we'll be discussing the intersection of design and our food system. The food system is massive. It's the largest industry in the world. Just think about what it takes to feed 8 billion people, and it'll be 10 billion people in 2050. So there are some big challenges around sustainability for our planet and for equity and accessibility as well. And we're going to learn about it all from two awesome experts. Our guest co-host today is Lauren Abda. She is the founder and CEO of Branch Food, the largest community of food entrepreneurs and startups in New England, and also the co-founder at Branch Venture Group, an angel network for investment in early stage food startups. And our special guest is Matt Reidenauer, Senior Portfolio Lead at IDEO. Matt is part of a collaboration that launched the Food Systems Vision Prize, which we'll hear all about from him. And of course, we'll have our weekly dose of good design. But first, I want to share some news from the Design Museum. We've rescheduled our Workplace Innovation Summit. Now it will take place December 7th through 11th. So you'll have five days of virtual presentations, workshops, and networking all centered around creating a new workplace paradigm for the times we're living in and for the future. So this is our fifth Workplace Innovation Summit, but of course, our first during a global pandemic. So there's a lot to talk about and to learn. This year's theme is Connect, Reflect, Reform. And so we'll be covering topics like hybrid, in-person, remote models, remote meeting facilitation, new types of spaces, and much, much more. So grab your pre-sale tickets now and you'll save a bunch of money on those. I'm also excited to share that we've expanded our WeDesign online exhibition to include more amazing designers. We're getting a lot of press and attention about the exhibition, which is so exciting. And so be sure to check it out. This is our exhibition featuring women and by POC designers who are innovating in their fields. And their stories are just so great to read and to hear about their career journeys is just awesome. So in this expanding update, you'll read about folks like Kat Holmes, who's the author of Mismatch, and she's a senior vice president of design at Salesforce. There's Mick Young Kim. She's the founder of Mick Young Kim Design and Sarah Little Turnbull. Uh, she is the original designer of the face mask, uh, very relevant right now. And there's a bunch of others. So check it all out on our website, designmuseumeverywhere.org. Okay, with that, on to this week's topic. Upwards of 50% of the Earth's habitable land is used for food production, and the food system utilizes 70% of our fresh water, which I can't believe, but I guess it's true. The food system is massive, and it stretches from farmers growing crops to you taking a bite out of that ear of corn, and man, there's so many elements in between. Access to food globally is a huge issue It's around equitable access uh, to healthy food. That's a huge, even bigger issue here in the U.S. Gosh, as I was researching this episode, the outcomes of our food system, like where we're going, just seem so dire (laughs) around like pollution, sustainability, and purely like the infrastructure and economics that support and drive the system. It just it seems to be a huge challenge, huge design challenge. Luckily, we have an awesome guest co-host to help us sift through it all. 
Lauren Abda is the founder of Branch Food. She founded it back in 2015, and now it's the largest community of food innovators and entrepreneurs in New England. And then she went on to start Branch Venture Group, which invests in early stage food startups. She has a master's in food policy and applied nutrition. Suffice to say, Lauren knows food. So Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great. It's great to see you. This is how we socialize now. So I used to see you like right next door. You know, I've always admired what you're doing in this community you're creating. Can you tell our listeners about Branch Food and about Branch Venture Group? Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Sam. It's a pleasure to be here. We are the leading food innovation hub for industry stakeholders who are working toward a sustainable, self-sufficient uh, future food in New England, particularly. Um, so since 2015, we've been supporting entrepreneurs by facilitating connections uh, across the food value chain, providing educational resources, mentorship, uh, partnering with corporations and organizations seeking to collaborate with the food startup community, um, as well as hosting events and conferences mm. that highlight innovation in food. So yeah, maybe you could tell me about uh, one of your events coming up. So Food Edge is our annual conference this year. We will be hosting three interactive days covering three specialized tracks, welcoming speakers presenting on everything from emerging startups in this new normal, industry trends, uh, and food investment. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, to date, we've supported nearly 200 startups, hosted about 146 events, wow. and formed about 140 <laughs> industry partnerships. So. It's been a very busy couple of years. Oh my I, gosh, sounds I like know, it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're no stranger to that um, level of activity at oh, Design yeah. Museum, but uh, but we're psyched to be doing what we're doing and um, and just you know have seen so much change and transformation happen in food that I think has been more of a pull for us than than a push yeah. uh, for the work that we're doing. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And then as a continuation of of right. this work, uh, we also land, launched Branch Venture Group, which is an angel investment network that seeks to foster connection between investors and promising food ventures. Um, on that front, we've funded nine companies to date working across uh, consumer products, food tech, and ag tech um, with a little over $2 million uh, to um, support their efforts. So That's so. awesome. I love it. It's like the community and the, the investment side, I'm sure, is like a really great, like two sides of the same coin. That's a really great model. I'm wondering to kind of like share a little bit deeper some maybe some of the startups that are in the community or some of the groups that you've invested in. So for us, you know, as I think about particularly areas of interest that our members um, use to uh, sort of, you know, identify investment opportunities um, and where our collective interest lies in um, vetting opportunities that are seeking funding, you know, it's very environmental um, very forward-thinking businesses that our group members are looking to to fund. And so um, a couple of our favorite companies, Mori is definitely one. Hmm. Uh, they're a biotech company based in Cambridge um, that seeks to mitigate the issue of food waste through an all-natural protective um, silk-based layer uh, that oh, wow. slows down the spoilage of fruits, vegetables, um, meats, seafood, um, basically to help keep food fresher longer. Um Another one of our companies is a company called Atlantic Sea Farms. They're based just south of Portland, Maine. Um, they actually created the first commercially viable seaweed farm in the United States in 2009 with the goal of uh, diversifying our coastal waters and, and how they're used. 
And so the company has gone on to launch a few consumer product companies. Um, their sort of first to market was a fermented seaweed salad. Uh, and they've gone cool. on to launch um, subsequent ones. But um, but really thinking about seaweed as the base for new products and um, all that can be done with such a healthy vegetable from the sea. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and um, yeah. And, and, you know, I think the last one um, it's, I really like this one because I think they're doing something super unique for the category. So it's a company called Willie Superbrew, uh, which is bringing real ingredients and transparency to alcohol. <laughs> um, so it's a canned beverage, uh, low sugar, low calorie, gluten-free, low carb, uh, made with real fruit and sort of think about, you know, the difference between what they're doing and, you know, White Claw and Truly, which are, yeah. you know, such giants at this point, um, but mostly made from chemicals. And right. what Willie Superbrew is doing is um, providing that same type of beverage experience, but with real ingredients. Hmm. Yeah, those all sound amazing. <laughs> Very high. I, like, I love the diversity of the groups that you're working with. That's got to be a blast. Yeah. So we, um, we intentionally look food system wide uh, in terms of our work at Branch Food and also our investment opportunities for investment opportunities at Branch Venture Group. Um, within that, we've kind of boiled it down to three core areas. So consumer products are of great interest to us. That's your healthy granola bars, your new beverages. Uh, we look at food tech, which we define as digital content media for food, mm. e-commerce marketplace platforms, um, hospitality technology, supply chain technology, um, looking to consolidate areas of the supply chain that are in need of support and, and renovation. And then ag tech, so sensors, drones, equipment, um, and life sciences companies that have food industry implications. Nice. Yeah, that's actually a great segue, zooming out a little bit. And you're you're the expert on this topic. I kind of gave my like non-expert, here's what the food system is. But I'm wondering if you can give us an overview of the food system. I know it's absolutely huge. So maybe you can help make it like a little smaller for our minds to like digest. So food is, it's a $3 trillion industry, first and foremost. It is global and every single human on the planet eats. Yeah. So put simply, <laughs> the food system includes, you know, all processes and infrastructure related to feeding a population. So growing, harvesting, processing, packaging, transporting, consumption, food waste, that is the food system. And when we talk about need for improvement, we're talking about all of those areas that are comprised um, of the system that we, we rely on for, yeah. um, for life. Yeah. And so, um, so today we feed about 7.8 billion people. Um, in 2050, we will need to feed about 10 billion people. And as we look to the future, um, we really need to find ways to support that growth in population and contribute to a food system that has reach, resiliency, um, and can bring better, healthier food to the masses um, without ruining our environment. So maybe you can jump into some of those challenges. I know we're going to talk to Matthew about the food system prize in a minute that's trying to like address some of these challenges, but what are some of the challenges? Again, they seem so large and dire. That's like, I hesitate to even ask the question, but. Well, I'll pick a few that I know that there's been some really interesting startup development and activity around uh, really recently. Certainly not all of them. There are lots of challenges, but you know, I think one area that we found really interesting is the future of protein. Um, Protein is such an essential, you know, the essential amino acids that are needed for so much cellular function and healthy um, human development. Uh, 
And there's been a lot of discussion around what the future of protein entails. For a long time, it's been primarily animal-based. But Mm -hmm. as we think through the future, how do we continue to support human development through the consumption of protein? and, And where is that protein coming from? So I think a couple of, you know, really interesting initiatives to um, uh, change that, what the landscape has been to date. Um, New Harvest is a, a research and development company based out of the West Coast, um, which is focused on supporting cellular agriculture, which is mm. the production of agriculture products from cell cultures. So you think eggs without chicken, mm-hmm. uh, beef without cows. Um, how can we continue to bring these products to market that don't necessarily need um, the lifetime of an animal to deliver. Um, Motif Foodworks, a, a local Boston company here, they're a food ingredients company that is using biotechnology to brew proteins and nutrients for uh, for food manufacturers that are trying to um, create healthier products and a healthier ingredient list. Protein Industries Canada, it's a super cluster up in um, Canada that has uh, been established by the Canadian government to promote research and development around pulses and grains that have high levels of protein. And what can we learn from um, uh, the pursuit of, you know, academic researchers who are really interested in working on this. And so very interesting um, future for the protein industry. I'm sure so many of the consumers as well have um, heard of, you know, alternative meat um, style Mm -hmm. products, which, you know, in many cases come from, or have a base of a strong protein component, like you know a pulse or like the soy or some of these other ingredients that um, may not be animal based, but are certainly plant based. And Impossible Burger and mm-hmm. uh, Beyond Meat and Memphis Meats uh, have been you know leaders in this category, trying to bring alternative forms of of meat to consumers. So regenerative agriculture it's another area i think of you know when i think about the future of food an area that needs a lot of attention and support regenerative agriculture is a conservation and rehabilitation approach to food and farming systems so uh, how can we make sure that the topsoil is is nutrient dense enough to create create nutrient dense food how can we increase its biodiversity to contribute to that so many startups and and also, large corporations are recognizing the need for this because ultimately so much of their food still comes from the land. Yeah. And if the land isn't healthy, the, the produce and the products that are created from this land are not going to be. And they will need to be, those products will need to be reinforced. And um, in the you know, wake of more clean label ingredient products, you know, how do you ensure that if you know, the products that, that you're trying to create and, and claim have a certain amount of nutrition in them don't? because right. of the soil that they're grown in. Um, and then lastly, you know, I would just say it's been really interesting to see the reinvention of really classic products as well, mm. not just on the protein front, but, you know, products in market today, they're trying to be healthier. They're trying to be better. Um, they're trying to be, you know, environmentally friendly. And we've just seen so many iterations of um, one example is a company called Plant Snacks. Um, they're based in the New England area. So they're taking very familiar flavors, which, you know, would be inclusive of like, you know, ranch and um, jalapeno and so some of these, you know, like kind of chip flavors that we're all familiar mm-hmm. with, but they're using cassava as the chip, not potato. And so trying to increase the nutrition of, you know, familiar products that consumers know and love, um, but are looking for alternatives for. Um, so it's been a very interesting, you know, kind of experiment in 
I think on behalf of every company and trying to figure out, you know, I want to bring this product to market. I want to bring this technology to market, but how does it benefit the world? Yeah, that's where I just find it so amazing because um, you and I both know the startup, you know, game that we're in it now. Uh, we've been in it for years and it just it amazes me to have like a food startup be thinking about, okay, we're starting up, making our business, making our product. And we're also like trying to address these challenges. Yeah. It seems like a big, um, there, a big you know, ask. It's a good point. I think they're, they're challenges, but they're also opportunities for innovation yeah, and yeah. opportunities for reinvention and for people to, you know, see a better future and, mm-hmm. and build the future. And I think what's so exciting about um, the startup ecosystem today is that there's so many people out there that want to support others in in their goals and efforts and schools are getting schools are rallying around it incubators accelerators funders you know all of that is becoming so much more accessible than it used to be and in food particularly you know with new products coming to market you know we see companies that are doing nine ten million dollars a year in revenue and they're run by like five six people amazing and they've outsourced everything because there's mm-hmm. so many actors along you know the path to bring the product to market that yeah. have formed. They outsource the production to co-packers. They mm-hmm. work with distributors. They work with outsourced sales teams. It's it's actually pretty remarkable when you start to think about how far you can get. Yeah. Last question. Um, how do you see design playing a role in creating a better, more sustainable food system? I think design is it's so important from the perspective of things needing to work efficiently and well. Um, you know, I really excited to hear how the food system vision prize uh, is prioritizing design for a lot of the companies that they're bringing into their co- cohort, yeah. but really feel like it, it is design, it is process, it is organization mm. that will ultimately help the food system as we know it evolve to a healthier, more sustainable, environmental, environmentally friendly place. And I think, you know, the, there, the pressures exist now that need needed to come to fruition for us to look back on the food system that's been built today and say we can do this better um we can design this better we can design better healthier food we can design more logical processes we have the technology to do it um and i think that those will be the fundamental building blocks of the food system of the future that um, will hopefully be hopefully way lighter on the shoulders of everyone involved in it Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and perspective, Lauren. Happy to. Listeners, learn more about Lauren's work at Branch Food and Branch Venture Group. She's bringing together an amazing community of food startups and supporting, really, like we said, an ecosystem, um, which is incredible. Uh, So check them out online at branchfood.com and branchventuregroup.com. And Lauren, please stay with us, and we'll bring Matt Reidenauer from IDEO into the conversation. Join us December 7th through 11th for our fifth annual Workplace Innovation Summit, an immersive five-day virtual event experience focused on the future of how and where we work. At the Workplace Innovation Summit, you'll learn directly from the experts and become an expert yourself by engaging in meaningful conversations to develop your during and post-COVID workplace strategy. Topics include augmenting existing spaces, wellness and workplace culture, equity in the workplace, collaborative technology, and more. You'll experience keynote presentations, interactive workshops, and virtual networking opportunities. Visit designmuseumeverywhere.org to learn more. 
Let's connect, reflect, reform, and shape what happens next in the workplace at the 2020 Workplace Innovation Summit. Attend virtually from anywhere in the world December 7th through 11th. Get your tickets today at designmuseumeverywhere.org. And we're back and we're joined by our special guest, Matt Reidenauer. He is a senior portfolio lead at IDEO in San Francisco. He's a team leader with 12 years of experience collaborating with design, innovation, and startup teams. Uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation, Open IDEO, and Second Muse announced the 10 finalists for their Food System Vision Prize, an effort to move toward a more regenerative and nourishing food future for 2050. The finalists will share in $2 million and join an accelerator program to make their visions a reality, and in doing so, create a collective vision on how we can improve the overall food system. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, we're thrilled to have you with us. This is an exciting moment. Uh, I hope, uh, tell us about the Food System Vision Prize and you know what was the impetus to start something like this? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it's pretty exciting. We have been essentially on an 18 month journey uh, going from designing a program with the Rockefeller Foundation and Second Muse uh, and my team, OpenIDEO. Um, and basically we just a few weeks ago announced 10 finalists that have come from all over the world that were part of a prize that brought together thousands of teams together to share their visions for the food future that they hope to see. And now we're getting to work with them to support them to be growing and having their visions become reality. So what has been IDEO's role as sort of the design partner in this initiative? So IDEO is a global design firm, been around for about 40 years, roots in kind of product design and been using those methods for thinking about systems. And so we use design for a whole range of problems, started with designing Apple's first computer mouse and first foldable laptop, the Palm Pilot, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. um, and now we've basically thought about how do we bring human-centered design, putting the human at the center of what we're thinking about to design things like an entire network of schools in Peru. We have uh, from the curriculum, teacher training, school buildings, providing high quality education for 50,000 students in 60 schools to designing an intuitive, accessible voting experience for LA County, which is actually mm. the largest uh, voting jurisdiction in the US. And I work on our open innovation platform. So OpenIDEO is essentially asking these big questions around what if instead of just the lone designer, the lone design team making design decisions, what if we democratize everything? and allowed basically moving to big challenges, big systemic issues, environmentally, socially, that really we can't solve by ourselves. We need everyone involved in. So we began to ask about 10 years ago, what if we democratized the whole design process and put the, hand, the, the tools of design thinking of human-centered design into the hands of many? Yeah, so I'm curious, like, why a prize and why an accelerator? Like, why format a program like this the way you all have? The Food System Vision Prize, why we did it. Um, essentially, Rockefeller Foundation came to us in Second Muse and started to ask this question of, can you think of a film that you have seen about the future that depicts a future you'd actually want to live in? <laughs> wow. And I don't know, do, do either of you? Do any of I'm not ideas? sure. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't think I do. <laughs> so 
Yeah, they were basically they did a whole survey of all the films made about the future. Mad Max, Black Mirror, Minority Report. Everyone is basically a civil war. Robots mm-hmm. have taken over. Technology has destroyed us. Yeah. We're living in post-apocalyptic war zone and eating bugs to survive. And it's kind of like the problem with that is if all we see is dystopia, if we can't view a positive future for what we could have, yeah. then we can't, cre- we can't create it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we I realize we just need, we need a higher vision. We need a vision. And so um, for food, this is super vital, right? Because food is literally vital to human existence. And if you look at what's happening around the world, our health is worse off because of what we're eating. We're essentially bankrupting our healthcare system because of our food. Right. We, our planet is in dire straits. Climate change is increasing because in large part, how we grow, how we distribute, how we consume, how we waste our food. And so really Rockefeller thought there's a huge opportunity to think about both human and planetary health so we can shift the narrative and have a have a different vision of the future i wonder if you could share some of the stories of the finalists that'd be great to provide a little context we've gone through this 18 month journey basically mm-hmm. of moving from research you know the start of design learning about the space designing the actual program open submission where we heard from literally thousands of teams all over the world submitting their ideas their visions moved into evaluation, brought on 100 expert judges to help us decide who are the best and brightest. Um, we actually built a software tool that could help us with removing judge bias. And we outsourced and crowdsourced um, to help us and then moved into kind of shortlist refinement where people built and prototyped and then basically selected our, our top 10. And um, what I think has been interesting about that journey is it's brought us to a place where we have from 1300 submissions, 10 just phenomenal visions of what our future could become. And in some ways they're like provocations to the world of what, instead of just thinking about the lowest common denominator, we actually envisioned something much better that would actually support human and planetary health, that would actually promote equity, that would actually lead to a lot of goals that many of us have. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, just a few of them. One that's really cool. You can check them all out on on the foodsystemvisionprize.org website, but um, a few that are really cool. Food Innovation Nerve Center, really interesting title. They're out of Southwest Nigeria. They are a media technology company that in Nigeria, there's this um, currently, you know, high population of poverty who can't afford healthy balanced diet, a lot of children suffering from malnutrition, farmers that are struggling basically to make ends meet. What if the future was every single community has the ability to feed itself? No community member is hungry. No child has malnutrition. What if the future of of digitizing farming is that technology helps greatly reduce poverty for farmers? What if there was actually an open data platform that they create that creates digital supply chains where people can buy 
their food and markets with cryptocurrency. So it actually opens up markets more. Um, and they actually built and prototyped cryptocurrency during, wow. during the challenge, which was really cool. So um, that's a fun one. There's one um, really inspiring one actually in the US, Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota, um, the, Sigong, the Sikongu Community Development Corporation. They, they only have three grocery stores that are serving an area the size of the country of Brunei, which wow. is a food desert. And um, so right now, most tribal members are living in food insecurity. And not only that, you know, high diet-related diseases. And also many of them actually would love to start their own food businesses, but the costs are so high, it's hard to do that. So they have this amazing 175-year plan not just like a 30 year plan that we oh thought was gosh. really, yeah, we thought like 30 years in the future, this is super bold and ambitious. And they were yeah. like, how about, how about we think of seven generations? Literally the, yeah. the, the title, there's a seven gen food system. So what if literally the 2050 will just be their first generation? They're thinking 175 years in the future to 20 to 2200. Um, and really transforming their relationship as the Sakangu people with from now, you know, highly processed foods to good health, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually reconnecting with food in, in traditional indigenous ways and, and providing opportunities and pathways for economic development and uh, building new agribusiness and ventures and super cool. I'm kind of curious, um, the prize seek to, seeks to support visionaries with concepts that ultimately need to scale, right? They, they need to scale to fulfill the mission of the prize. And so can you talk a little bit about scale uh, with regards to some of these companies? What's so interesting about a vision prize is it brought together a whole host of essentially coalitions. And what I mean by that is teams paired up like governments with entrepreneurs with research institutions, funders with, um, you know, change makers on the ground, just really interesting pairings. And actually a data point is we had 1300 teams or 1300 submissions made up of almost 5,000 teams. So on average, there was like three to four teams building these together. And what I think what's cool about that is it shows to build a vision of the future. We actually can't do it alone. We actually need different stakeholders working together. And so we saw that with um, actually another vision that's really compelling, Eat Right India, it literally submitted by the government of India for future 2050, 1.6 billion Indian residents. So think about the, the scale there. They're thinking about how do we bring sustainable foods? How do we reconnect people with the land and with farming for 1.6 billion people? And so to your scale question, it's like some of what's cool about this is entrepreneurs are connecting with governments and finding ways to even write things into policy that might not have been there. Um, and beyond that, I think there's opportunities in the future as we like promote a lot of these um, finalists and even we'll be working with the United Nations next on on a kind of continuing endeavor on this. I think there's huge scale to connect to bigger, broader, multi um, 
international corporations and governments and those kinds of things. That was one thing that struck me really was the, I mean, that, that the Indian uh, example aside, so many like local projects and because I, I think I came into it with an assumption of like, these got to be huge, like, you know, take over the world ideas. And I wonder if that was a theme around like that we have to innovate locally and then kind of see what works. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, on this one, it was so interesting. Again, this was the first time that we had done really a global call that had regional focus. Mm, and so it's interesting because instead of you can imagine if we said, hey, design a food system for the world. <laughs> yeah. Not only not only would that be really hard, but it's hard to get specific, right? And I think actually when we talk about design, design actually thrives within constraints, right? Like when we put up um, frameworks, when we put up some boundaries around it, we actually can get better outcomes. And so with food systems, there are so many factors that are regional, right? Like hyper-local. Like what kind of crops will grow there? What kind of economy is there? What are diets and culture like? And so we actually wanted people to come to us and say, these are the challenges I see in Southwest Nigeria, or these are the challenges that I see in my area of India. And here's how I think I can tackle it. You had mentioned that there were thousands of submissions and I can only imagine they fell into certain buckets where you probably saw a ton of innovation uh, and then you, there were probably buckets where there was less innovation. So I'm kind of curious, we were talking earlier, earlier about all the opportunities for innovation in the food system and all the challenges that we face. So, you know, what are some of those areas that I think you've seen a lot of development in, but also areas where we still need innovation in food? It was interesting. We, we made this call for 2050, which of course, 30 years in the future, you can imagine how much technology will have progressed, right? I mean, pretty much everything will be new. Yep. Um, and yet, a lot of what we found is ma many people actually um, focused on going back to indigenous, going back to traditional wisdom, traditional ways that I think in many ways we've lost. Um, and actually, there's so much wisdom in um, regenerative practices in um, focusing on things that I think we in our industrialized culture have have missed. And so um, I think there was just a big thread around kind of going backwards to go forward. Um, I think what I'd love to see more of, and some of the finalists actually touched on this, but um, how do we design technologies in the future? Because they're going to happen to really consider the human experience and how do we increase human flourishing and how do we not just see it as robots taking over, but actually humans and technology can be working symbiotically um, to help humans flourish more. And I think um, we started to see some of that, but I think I would love to see that explored further. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I'm also trying to think about, you know, the cohort of companies that you've worked with and, and the applications that you've seen, um, have a lot of them been focused on urban food? Have they been focused on more rural food? Um, because I think, you know, as we look to the future and want to create a food system that is designed well enough to support all humans and, and make food accessible to all humans, um, you know, what are those innovators working on? Uh, 
uh, worldwide. In some ways, kind of tragically, many rural places are the places growing food, and often they're places that are the most food insecure, um, often because they're selling um, in markets to more urban areas. So how do we blur those lines and not just have urban food systems, not just have rural, but um, bring those two together and ideally have more of a societal exchange and a societal uh, connection between you know, communities that sometimes um, don't have as many connection points. All right, last question, and I, uh, for you both, because I'm, I'm going to build off of the Rockefellers' ask about the movies, future movies. <laughs> and I want, Great. I'm hoping you can both paint a picture for me, for our listeners, about what a sustainable, equitable food system could look like. So you're the director of this movie now, because um, like you said, we need that vision to strive towards. So what, what do you think, Lauren? What does that look like in the future? Oh, gosh. Well, the color green comes to mind, which is just, you know, how could you have a healthy future without there being a lot of green in it? That's good. I think um, innovation will play a big role. Technology will play a big role. I think it will take, what is it, change of guard, mm-hmm. guard, guard change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, people um, that have a more enlightened sense of business and an enlightened sense of, you know, the world need to be in positions of power. And I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for them to get there. But I think along the way, um, those people will learn a lot about how to build better systems and better companies and better public, a better public sector to support, you know, entrepreneurs and innovators um, who will be at that point later in their career uh, to bring forth the companies that you know, we need to exist and, and, I think ultimately hold the ones that you know have been the largest contributors to the destruction of our health and our environment, uh, you know, to bear and and put the pressure on them mm-hmm. to be able to you know, make sure that they're they're changing and they're evolving and they're they're innovating. Yeah, Matt, what do you think? What's that vision look like for that equitable, sustainable future? Yeah, I want to say yes and to that actually, which perfect. Uh, yes, and I'd say. You know, human beings are thriving. Like, there's no longer just too little food or too much of the food that isn't good for humans. Mm. We're living healthier, more equitable, more productive lives. And I think because of that, our relationships are better with one another. We have society uh, functioning more in a more unified way. We are actually learning better. We're like better. <laughs> able to access education because we're better nourished. And I think also our planet is thriving, right? Like it's green We're we've avoided the doom and gloom that we may be headed for by really taking on like regenerative farming practices, biodiversity, drawing down carbon, and therefore like landfills are shrinking. We're seeing instead of landfills growing there, we're moving to a zero waste. Society. I mean, you're describing um, this and I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's where we need to be. <laughs> we definitely, definitely need. Yeah. And then the last thing, like we started at the beginning, like what does it look like for technology and humanity to actually hmm. be in harmony and tech supporting a flourishing of life? So, yeah, oh, that's awesome. It's like both great visions. Thank you both so much. It really helps to to dig into the stuff and and get into the details. And thank you, Matt, for joining and sharing this awesome initiative. Of course. Really, really happy to. 
Yeah. Listeners, you can learn more about this epic collaboration behind the Food System Vision Prize and the 10 finalists and 1,300 others by visiting foodsystemvisionprize.org. And to learn more about IDEO and OpenIDEO, see some of their projects, uh, visit IDEO.com and OpenIDEO.com. Now it's time for our weekly dose of good design, where we each share examples of good design that have impacted us or others in a meaningful way. Uh, I'll start things off. So, all right, no surprise here. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved video games and Legos. And this past summer, Lego and Nintendo teamed up to create Lego Super Mario, which is a bunch of brick sets inspired by the video game series, Super Mario Brothers. And so you build Mario and like pop some batteries in him and suddenly like this little figurine comes to life. It's got digital eyes and it's got like vibrates feedback and it becomes like this little super powered Lego action figure. And then the set comes with all these like bricks to like build your own like levels or courses, (laughs) but like in three dimensions. So you're putting in like the bricks and like the uh, pipes, I guess, (laughs) thinking back to Mario. And so the Mario figure you have has a little scanner on the bottom of his feet and so it knows where you're putting him along this course so if like you're on like the (laughs) coins or an enemy it responds with sound and vibration and it's just really cool and so of course this whole thing connects to a mobile app because everything has to connect to a mobile app these days and you can track your high score whatever that means because i couldn't find any real game associated with this it's all like super open-ended obviously it's it's for kids um in true lego style there are a bunch of expansion sets so you can also build (laughs) bowser's castle and toad's treasure and you can mix and match them all up and make your own environments and play and it's sort of i think the best way to describe it it's like a lego customizable app enabled board game that has no point yeah (laughs) Um, and so you can just keep mixing and match, you know, matching everything and making new levels and challenges for your little Mario. And it looks like a ton of fun. And so we'll post the link. All right. You are up. Well, I, I will caveat this reply um, with the fact that I am a sucker for convenience. And so both of these things are convenience oriented <laughs> uh, design uh, products. And so One is a company called Daily Harvest, which is doing a direct-to-consumer frozen meal kit um, in the style of one meal. Mm. Uh, So it's a frozen cup. Um, The design is really beautiful. It's just, you know, white, black, um, very clean, uh, I think indicative of, you know, the fact that they're trying to be a clean alternative Mm. to um, meals, very convenient. You can make it in under 10 minutes. Um, I, I think that their go-to-market strategy has been brilliant over the last couple of years. Um, and the food is really good. So <laughs> that's nice. Props to Daily Harvest. Um, yeah. And then I recently had a birthday and I needed a backpack for the first time in like 10 years. And so I found this um, Lululemon backpack. And, you know, I just, it's like one of those products where every time you think to yourself, oh, does it do this? Does it have a pocket there? <laughs> Wouldn't it be convenient if I could do that? It does all those That's things. Awesome. And so really into, um, I'm, I'm not a fashionista, but I really like functional products. And it just, 
it's a 10 out of 10 on in terms of function. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It's a lot of fun. Of course. Thank you for having me. That's our show for this week. Thanks for being here. And thank you again to Lauren Abda and Matt Reidenauer for joining us for this important conversation. We'll post links to some of the things we talked about on our episode page at designmuseumeverywhere.org. Just click on podcast. Be sure to check out the Workplace Innovation Summit happening December 7th through 11th and visit our newly expanded We Design online exhibition. You can see it all on our website. You can always say hello on social media. You can find us on Twitter at design underscore museum. And on Instagram, we're at design museum everywhere. And of course, we're on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Check us out there. Keep those great ratings and reviews coming. They really mean a lot to us. In just six months, you've really helped us become one of the top design podcasts in the world, which is amazing. So thank you all. And be sure to share Design is Everywhere with your friends and family and colleagues and have them subscribe. It all really means a lot to us. This episode was written by me, Sam Aquilano, and produced by Ryan Flom. And we're edited by Amanda Martinez. Our theme music is Orange Sunset by One Wave. For the whole team here at Design Museum Everywhere, thank you for listening and we'll talk again next week.